Hi, this is Steve Nerlick from Cheap Astronomy. Why, 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 why Cheap Astronomy? Yeah, why? And this is Dear Cheap Astronomy, Episode 67, Return to the Moon. Sometime. So, it's 2020, and we're supposedly returning to the moon in just four years, which seemed more than a little ambitious even pre-COVID-19. I mean, anything is possible up to a certain point, but you'd think we'd need a few test flights between now and 2024. But anyway, here's a question-driven update on how all that's going. Dear Cheap Astronomy, so no more lunar gateway? Well, not necessarily, but it is messy. NASA's Artemis program which is totally committed to landing people on the moon by 2024, unless it doesn't, does still look a bit like a space program on paper. For a long time, the Artemis program was running with the idea that we would put a modular ISS-like space station in lunar orbit, in a roughly polar orbit that would ensure it stayed in constant radio contact with Earth. The idea was that it would be a way station for lunar astronauts and potentially for Mars astronauts. And there is some logic to this way station idea. The spacecraft that you need to launch from the surface of the Earth isn't really the spacecraft that you need to land on the Moon or to fly to Mars. You could do all those different things with modular designed spacecraft like Apollo But there is growing interest in having one type of reusable spacecraft that just gets people and cargo into space. And once in space, those people and cargo are loaded onto another reusable vehicle that works brilliantly in space, even though it would have no hope of launching from the Earth's surface. Those space-going spacecraft could be built by launching components from Earth, along with the people and the cargo, which all makes sense as long as you have a way station where you can bring all those things together. Trouble is, to justify the effort and expense of both building and sustaining such a way station in space, you need a reasonable amount of space-going traffic, both to and fro. And if you did want a way station in space, putting it in Earth orbit has some clear advantages over putting it in lunar orbit. Firstly... It's closer, so you just need a reusable spacecraft that launches you from the Earth's surface to the way station in a matter of hours rather than days, and that way station would still be in the Earth's magnetosphere, so the crew would be protected from cosmic rays without a lot of heavy shielding. And in the face of some kind of catastrophic emergency, the crew would just need to get on board a lifeboat with a heat shield that would let them drop back down to the Earth's surface. The only real advantages of a lunar-orbiting way station are scientific. You get more scrutiny of the Moon's surface, you are outside the magnetosphere, and you have an opportunity to overcome a range of engineering and maintenance issues that we've never had to deal with before on the Earth-orbiting ISS. But it would be hard to argue for a multi-billion dollar operating budget if your main argument was that we should do this and the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. 
Anyway, the Lunar Gateway is still viable. Indeed, NASA has just given SpaceX a contract to deliver supplies to the Gateway when it's built. But there is also now an understanding that the Lunar Gateway is no longer critical to the 2024 Return to the Moon mission. And what's being planned for the Gateway now is just a propulsion module and a minimum habitation module. And this is to be put into place sometime after we've landed astronauts back on the Moon through a different mechanism. This is also puzzling, since part of the justification for the Gateway was that the Orion spacecraft wasn't well set up to act as the lunar lander platform in the same way that the Apollo command module had been. So it is all a bit confusing, and Artemis is still mostly a space program on paper. And 2024 isn't that far away. So, anything is possible, but, you know. Nonetheless, a space-going way station, essentially a Deep Space Nine, is a great idea if you have a lot of back-and-forth traffic, so you can generate various economies of scale. But right now, after a 50-year hiatus of anyone landing on the moon, starting your return to the moon program by first building Deep Space Nine does seem a bit like putting the cart before the horse. The bean counters would also argue that we shouldn't be investing the scarce funding available on a lunar gateway, when instead you could establish a moon base on the surface. Cheap astronomy's message to those folk who say it would be better to have a moon base than a lunar gateway is, well, okay, f***ing do it then. This is the middle bit. So, no more gateway. Although we still might put one up there later. Just like we might still put a lunar base up there later. In this business, there are a lot of mites and coulds and laters. But moving on now, just what exactly is the current plan? Dear Cheap Astronomy, How will we get back to the moon? Continuing last week's theme of the planned return to the moon in 2024, the actual mission that will do it is Artemis 3. The component architecture of Artemis 3 has a crew of possibly four in the Orion spacecraft which will be launched atop the Space Launch System, or SLS. The Orion crew capsule will play a similar role to the Apollo Command Module, so it will need to be joined up to a service module, which is now the European Service Module, a modification of the European Space Agency's Automated Transfer Vehicle, or ATV, which has a main engine, and also fuel for that engine, and it will use solar panels for electrical power rather than trouble-prone hydrogen-oxygen fuel cells. Think Apollo 13. The European Service Module will fly the Orion crew capsule to the moon and back again before being uncoupled just prior to the crew capsule re-entering the Earth's atmosphere. And what about an equivalent to the Apollo Lunar Module, you ask? The plan was always to have that, currently referred to as the Human Landing System, HLS, waiting in lunar orbit for the Orion to arrive. 
Initially, the Orion was to dock with the Lunar Gateway and the two members of the crew destined for the lunar landing, one almost certainly being female, would transfer over to the HLS Lunar Lander, which had already been autonomously flown to lunar orbit and docked with the Gateway. Now, with the Gateway out of the equation, the plan remains that we'll autonomously fly the HLS to lunar orbit and the Orion will just dock with it directly. As we said in the last episode, Artemis does still mostly look like a space mission on paper. And the way you do space missions on paper is all about the physics. So you look at your various mission components and calculate if their capabilities are sufficient for your payload, which in this case is largely the crew and their life support requirements. As much as Cheap Astronomy's research department has been able to gather... The physics won't allow us to fly the HLS Lunar Lander all the way from Earth, along with the Orion and its European service module. Both the Orion and the HLS Lunar Lander are substantially bigger than their Apollo equivalents. So it's just too much mass to fly all the way to the Moon on the one engine, given the current technology we have available to us. Anyway, it's good to know there is a plan and it all sounds feasible on paper. But landing on the moon in 2024? That is, to say the least, ambitious. Consider the mission timetables. Artemis 1 is scheduled for launch in April 2021, which is, you know, next year, and on what may be the maiden flight of the SLS rocket. Artemis 1 will fly an uncrewed Orion to the moon do an orbital insertion and a few lunar orbits before returning the empty Orion capsule to Earth. Artemis 2 will launch in late 2022 to fly a crew around the Moon, although it will just follow a figure 8 trajectory around the back of the Moon and then straight back again, so it won't actually go into a lunar orbit. Then Artemis 3 is the real deal, flying a crew of probably four, into lunar orbit, two of whom will then transfer to the lunar lander and land. To stay for maybe a week, somewhere near the South Pole, so they can sample some of those permanently shadowed craters for water. So, ambitious? Uh, yeah. Perhaps the most immediate issue is that the SLS rocket remains trouble-prone, and yet to do any kind of proper test launch let alone launch Artemis 1 next year. Various armchair commentators suggest we should switch to SpaceX's Falcon Heavy, which does have proven launch capability. That's not out of the question, but the Falcon's lift capability is about 64 metric tonnes versus the SLS's 70 metric tonnes, and every rocket has different dimensions and different performance parameters so you'd have to reconfigure the whole payload and how it's loaded onto the rocket, so you'd lose a year or two anyway, just working all that out. Less problematic is the Orion capsule, where a prototype was successfully test-flown way back in 2014, and presuming the European service module is just a slight modification of the existing ATV, then that's already proven hardware. At this time the HLS Lunar Lander is not much more than an idea on paper, 
but we do still have until 2024 before it's needed. So, will we get back to the moon? Absolutely. Will we get back there in 2024? Well... This is the end bit. So, there you go. Everyone is sort of trying to get there, at least a bit. There's various component pieces being built that might come together in some unified way at some point. Or we might do another pause to take stock of what we've got and where we're at, and there's always space to reconsider the role of the private sector in all this. Lots of things are possible, except perhaps a landing in 2024. Nonetheless, here at Cheap Astronomy, we would be absolutely delighted to be proven wrong. But that's it for another episode of Dear Cheap Astronomy. If you've got a space science question, or you've just got a great idea to get us back to the moon quick smart, why not write to cheapastro at gmail.com and we'll test fly it for you. Thanks for listening. Steve Nerlick, Cheap Astronomy.